here we are again. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's your line. <sighs> it's okay. I never mind when you upstage me. <laughs> Give us the line again. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of The Baker's Cup, your favorite podcast where two dudes talk about fantasy. I am author Nick Langan, joined as always by Galen Detweiler. And uh, Galen, what are we talking about today? Uh, so if you are into D&D, RPGs, things like that, you may have heard that this little not really known company called uh, Amazon created this animated series with the help of Critical Role, and it's called The Legend of Vox Machina. And uh, about half an hour episodes, and they release about three at a time. So I think we're six episodes in, and we're going to talk about what we think about it. Yeah, the um, the story of how it got started is crazy. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe tell the listeners a little bit. The story of how it got started is crazy. Um, for those of you that aren't aware, Critical Role started as a well it really started as a private D game with a bunch of voice actors i'm assuming out in california uh, all working voice actors and they got together and ran a single game session for one of the one of the characters birthday he was like oh, i haven't played D in a long time i'd like to just have like a little thing with friends and and then they really enjoyed it so they they decided to turn it into a regular game and then um there's a company called Geek and Sundry that has a YouTube channel and all that sort of stuff. And Felicia Day, who is an actress as well, has been in a bunch of stuff. My favorite role of hers is in uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Absolutely. She plays the uh, the love interest. She approached them and said, hey, I've heard that you guys are playing this D&D game and you're all voice actors. So like we'd like to set up where we stream it. And they were all kind of apprehensive, I think, because they were like, well, nobody's going to want to watch us play D&D for three to five hours a week. Oh, how you know? wrong they were. And it just, for some reason, exploded. And um, full disclosure, I've watched some of it. I actually, the, the one big chunk of, of the show that I watched was the main arc that they seem to be adapting for this first season. And it is entertaining. It's just, it's a huge time commitment. I mean, you and I have talked about this before, but like, it's a huge time commitment to sit and watch a four hour YouTube video once, even once a week. And yeah, also, definitely. I feel like this is one of those things where it's like, there are certain sports and, and games and whatever that aren't very fun unless you're playing it. You know what I mean? So like people that don't necessarily uh, say do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu like watching Bra Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu match can potentially be really boring if you don't understand or know and I feel like sometimes it runs into that where it's like yeah I'm sure these guys are having fun and, and they they're all voice actors so the character voices and everything are, are great and they all also really get into the role playing so they sort of riff off each other in a in an almost professional way but still it was like I, I don't know but yeah it turned into this huge thing so uh, I don't even know when it got started. They're on their third campaign now, so it's it's probably been at least seven years, six, seven years. Uh, 2015 was when they started up Critical Role. Okay, yeah, so 
almost seven years then. But it just, yeah, it turned into this huge thing. I think they stream on Twitch, they stream on YouTube. And so I guess in, I think in 2018 or 2019, somewhere around a couple of years ago, they decided that they were going to, there's a comic book and stuff too. Now they, they have about these characters. It's and also a source book. I think they, yeah, done. a couple, they have a couple, I actually have the first source book for, for Taldore, which was actually released with an independent company. So not even through wizards of the coast. And it's not bad. Like there's some good stuff in there that I've pulled for our, uh, our game. All right. I won't tell you what it is. Cause I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. anything, but um, if we don't want Matt Mercer to sue us. <laughs> <laughs> so they did this. They, they ran this fundraiser, a Kickstarter, I think. And they were like, we want to, we, we want to do one 22 minute animated special. And we're thinking between the animators and all this and that it's going to be about $750,000 to do this one episode, which might sound like a lot to your normal person, but for, for film or animation or anything like that, it's really pretty, yeah, pretty low budget jump change. And by the time the 45 day Kickstarter was over, they had raised, I think close to like $12 million. They had destroyed all of their stretch goals and everything. So they set out to make then 10 episodes, I believe with this independent animation company. And then Amazon got wind of it and was like, Hey, there's money to be made here. Clearly people want to support this thing. We'll pick it up. And I think Amazon funded the last two episodes because there's going to be 12 episodes in the first season. And so whether you watch the stream or not, I think it's really cool. I'm always a fan of stories where people like buck the Hollywood or traditional gate kept, if you will, TV system uh, and, and get something cool and interesting made. And I think we don't we don't really get enough of new ideas in TV or movies. A lot of times it's funny. Tyler and I were talking about this yesterday. You know, somebody will keep a season of T- or a series of TV going. It was originally intended maybe for five seasons, but we're going to keep it going for 15 seasons just because we're going to milk all the money out of it. Right. Or we're going to remake Spider-Man for the eighth time, or we're going to like a national institution at that point. Like the Simpsons (laughs) have been on for like 32 years, I think. Yeah. Well, and you know, maybe something like that is okay, but we were talking specifically about the show supernatural and I, I really liked the show supernatural and I watched supernatural all the way through season five. Because Eric Kripke, who created Supernatural, he intended it to be a five-season arc. And so there's a big wrap-up at the end of season five. It's a really fulfilling plot. The show, in my opinion, for like network TV was really good the entire first five seasons. And then they kept it going. I mean, I think they just wrapped it up like a year or two ago. So it's got to be like 17 seasons or something absurd, you know? And it's like... I'm sure there were good episodes and there's good moments and stuff in it. But one of the things aside from it, just deteriorating quality is people could be working on something else new and innovative, but instead, you know, so sure. I think from a, uh, from a cultural standpoint, or I guess maybe or something like that, like it's really cool to see that these guys have just kind of done something that nobody has ever done. Like, I don't think anybody has ever raised $12 million via Kickstarter and then gotten picked up by Amazon for like a kind of and we'll get into it but like a kind of weird uh mix of things right it's it's animation yeah, yeah so um it's definitely uh it's definitely interesting 
it's a hard R. Uh huh. It's (laughs) the the thing that I would compare it to in 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 recent history is the show Invincible, which is also on Amazon. It is also uh, it's that's based on a comic book run by um, I can't think of his name, and I feel bad. But uh, the same guy that created The Walking Dead, uh, Kirkman, Robert Kirkman. I think anyway, I, I had read his, his superhero thing and, and that adaptation is faithful and brutal, but that's a much more that takes itself much more seriously. This is definitely completely irreverent and crass in a way that's um, I think very accurate to the idea that we're basing this on a table of, of guys playing a role-playing game, you know? So um Yeah. You know, cr- critical role in itself was was a pretty interesting concept when it first came out. You know, it had a had some fairly fairly famous you know voice actors when they first started up, and I think it they started you know like you said because uh, someone in the party wanted to play it as a a birthday present. <clears throat> so I think they started in Matt Mercer's living room for the next couple of episodes, and uh, it really picked up steam. Um, I know that. Um, I had a couple of friends, um, our mutual friend, Anthony and stuff. He, he uh, first mentioned critical role to me. I was like, Hey, you know, have you heard of this? I never had, you know, it's like you had said, it's being a, a man of many uh, responsibilities. So to say it's, it's hard <laughs> to find time to sit down for, I think like three hours at a time or so. And, and watch, <laughs> watch YouTube. Um Yeah. I mean, just picture it now. I'm sitting in my recliner and the wife walks in, you know, kids in hand, you know, yogurt everywhere. And I'm just sitting there. She's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm watching YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's that's kind of entertainment in itself has kind of gone there now. Um, younger generations like that's what they do. They they watch they watch people play games on on Twitch, you know, streaming services, YouTube, whatever. and it's enjoyable. I don't quite understand it. Um, maybe it's just a pastime, but that's, that's what, you know, critical role to me kind of was, but I, I sat down for a bit because more and more of my friends were like, Hey, you know, have you watched critical role yet? It's got Matt Mercer in it. I was like, okay, I know I've heard the name Matt Mercer. So I had to go to a IMDB and such. And, you know, he's, he's been in the resident evil stuff and, um, Overwatch, yeah, that, I think. Yeah, over he, Overwatch. Yeah. Um, he's uh looking at it right now. He was in Monsters University, which I never really realized. Hmm. And then I know some of my friends their their kids watch Miraculous, and uh, he voices voices stuff on there. But uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, he's been he's been doing it for quite a while or quite a while, and he's he's a very good voice actor. So I sat down and watched it for a bit and it is entertaining i liked seeing the progression i i i haven't followed like the campaign of vox machina i haven't you know really gotten into it there's some people that watch it religiously and such um but you know i'd watch this episode that episode you know just seeing and it was interesting to see like how it progressed like after a while there they really had some serious backing you know they had production crews and companies and and a whole set they had people who would donate donate items like uh i think somebody made matt mercer a, a custom dm uh screen oh and yeah I, I think the table at one point maybe in season two 
the massive table that they sat at was created and I believe it was donated and it was, it was wicked. You know, yeah. if, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't watched it, check it out just for the table alone is pretty sweet. <laughs> you know, I will say, and I think a lot of good things came out of it. I think, I mean, obviously between like critical role and then stranger things, really making D and D culturally re- relevant again. But yeah. I think it used to be, and it still isn't in, in some cases, but like, I remember in high school, say when you would pick up a game, better, a role-playing game, a book, a better role-playing game, there would always be a section in the, st- in the front that was like, what is a role-playing game? And usually it would explain it and then sort of maybe give a, a written example of play, you know? I don't really think anybody needs that anymore. And critical role is largely responsible for that. So that's one of the good things of it is you can actually what now, now granted these guys are professional freaking actors, right? So their game is not going to be the same (laughs) as your average game with a, you and a bunch of buddies drinking beer and playing, but it's, it's been great in that people can actually sit and watch and sort of understand the basics of how, something like Dungeons and Dragons is supposed to work. They've certainly contributed to the sort of boom and and renaissance of, of RPGs and the popularity of, of D and D now being in a lot of ways, I think the most popular and accepted as a sort of pastime this has ever been, Uh, you know, it's D and D t-shirts. Now people are wearing and like uh, certain things are common. Plus five, yeah, certain things are common knowledge. Speaking of that, you can go to Plus Five Charisma on Etsy or Facebook and get a D&D inspired t-shirt. They're the sponsor of this show and they make some comfy, simple yet funny clothing all about different classes in D&D. Check out the Druid shirt or the Rogue shirt and hoodie and get yourself a Plus Five to your charisma. <laughs> nice, uh, nice hook there. Yeah, I, I agree though. It's a uh, you know, I, I would, you know, in, in today's uh, society, you know, D and D is definitely way more prominent and mainstream. Um, you know, if, if you'd asked me in high school, you know, or my group of friends in high school, I, I did have friends that played it, but a lot of them, you know, we were, you know, music nerds or whatever, and they didn't. So if you ask them, Hey, you ever heard of D and D like, uh, no, what is that? But yeah, I think Critical Role, at least lately, you know, it's because it's only been around since 2015, has definitely helped kind of make it more mainstream, make it, you know, more acceptable, kind of you know, more cool. And there's a lot of people now that do it. Um, I can't remember if it was you, Nick, that showed it to me or if it was someone else, um, but College Humor. Um, yeah, that was me. Yeah. Okay. That was you. <laughs> like many great things in my life, you introduced them to me. That's right. Um college humor which you know they're they're known for all sorts of you know funny you know comics and uh videos and stuff they themselves actually had a uh D campaign i'm not sure if it's still going or not but it was called a fantasy high and they it's on youtube i would recommend it um i watched probably about the first nine ten episodes until my life decided to get busy again yeah um i think and, uh, the entirety of that is on youtube they have like some kind of subscription service so um mm-hmm. some of their newer stuff you can't see 
Yeah, I, but, I had to stop watching it because Lauren was getting mad at me for, you know, watching stuff under the sheets when, when I'm supposed to be sleeping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's funny because it's it's a good campaign, but it's there's also, you know, that comedy you'd expect from from college humor. That one's also uh, what I think they do well, too, is is they edit a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So uh, critical role, they're just streaming. So like. If if somebody has to look up a rule or something, it's all in there because they're they're live streaming and then they just keep that recording and put it on YouTube. College Humor they, they recorded ahead of time, I believe, and then edited some of that stuff out. So like I think the the College Humor episodes are about an hour. It, it cuts out some of that dead space and keeps it a little bit more manageable. Um, I forget who else posted, but one of my other streams that I really, really liked had um, Joe Manganiello in it as well as a, um, a couple other people like Deborah and wall from the uh, Marvel daredevil series on Netflix. And that one, I'm pretty sure what they did was they recorded everything ahead of time and then cut it into like 20 minute chunks. So those were really good too, because it's much more manageable for the average person. You don't really need to sit there and listen to one of the players be like, what was that rule again? And like find it or something. They just cut it down and, and, you know, but so that's kind of the history a little bit. Uh, I'm sure there's other stuff too, but yeah, they've, they've really become a powerhouse and the way that this cartoon got made is pretty cool. In my opinion, the positives mostly that they've done for the hobby outweigh a few of the negatives. <laughs> so let's just jump into that then. So we already talked about the positives, you know, the influence that, what about the negatives? And then we'll uh, jump back into actually reviewing Vox Machina. Of the show? Yeah. What, what, yeah. So the uh, negatives, well, yeah, we'll, negative negatives of the show. So we've, 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 yeah, we've given the history. So the show, this is going to have spoilers. I don't believe in spoiler free reviews. It doesn't make any sense. So like Galen said, it's half an hour episodes or roughly it's like 25 minutes. It's um ugh, negatives. Um, I think that the first two episodes which are uh, labeled as the terror of Taldore part one and part two are fine, but kind of a weird choice to start the series. And what I mean is you have your first episode. There's some kind of monster terrorizing the land. It kills in a, in a rather, in a scene that I actually liked, it kills just mercilessly murders this group of heroes sent to kill it. Oh, that was a great opening. <laughs> and then, you know, we're introduced to Vox Machina in a bar fight where they're all sort of a train wreck. They're not working together. The bar fight is kind of stupid. And uh, I like that, too. But then what it turns out is in, in this kingdom, they they respond to a, a, an ad poster to be mercenaries. And the bad guy turns out to be a, a blue dragon. And so the first fight that they get into with the dragon, it just kicks the crap out of them and ends up destroying this village that they had stopped at on the way through, which, which ends up being their motivation to complete the mission because at first they're like, okay, we're just going to bounce. We're, we're not going to risk that again. And then in the second episode, they end up discovering that the dragon um, is disguised as a member of the council, general Krieg voiced wonderfully by David Tennant. And they end up going into his lair and having to fight the dragon and they kill the dragon. Right. And 
it, there's nothing necessarily wrong with those two episodes, but compared to when you get into the, the following episode and what's clearly going to be the story arc of this season, those two episodes feel really out of place to me. The other problem I think is when you have your heroes kill a freaking dragon in the season premiere, it's going to be, you're going to have that problem of then exceeding those expectations for the uh, tension and action going forward, because that's a pretty big deal. I mean, and even it's a, it'll, it'll be a pretty big deal to people that aren't familiar with fantasy or D and D, but even to me as, as a big fantasy person and stuff, I'm like, okay, well they killed a dragon. Like, how do you, how do you go up from that? Really? Yeah. That's kind of a plateau right there. And I'm, I'm wondering, given the history that we discussed a little bit, as far as it was originally only going to be an animated special and, and stuff, I'm wondering if that first thing, that was what they were going to do as the animated special. And then when they got all this funding, they're like, oh, well, we can we can tell this big arc about the, the Briar Woods and Percy, who's one of the characters. That's a much more grounded-esque story. The Briar Woods are... Uh, Delilah is a sort of horrific monster that can use magic and Silas Briarwood is a vampire and they killed the entire family of one of the main characters. And so in episode three, we get into that story arc and that's really good. But the whole episode three, I'm sitting there and I'm like, they just killed a dragon. (laughs) (laughs) So like when they're fighting Silas Briarwood and he's like, he's you know they're getting the crap kicked out of them i'm like "Ah, but they just killed this giant dragon though it was a little bit of a a intellectual dissonance that i had to overcome because it just felt like they started it's kind of like how you should never um fully exceed your spouse's expectations right away (laughs) because then they're going to expect you to do more and more every time you know um that's relationship advice straight we can start the (laughs) the beggar's cup marriage counseling services it's gonna be like sleepless in seattle the problem is steve you just did too much at the beginning you know you (laughs) cared too much um no but this is a problem so this is why i'm generally more of a fan of things that have a slow build and really take their time i'm okay with that if i if i like the characters if i am invested in the world and the characters i I can wait. I thought that, for example, the Dune movie with uh, Timothy Chalamet did this really well. Is that it's a two and a half hour movie and it's really engaging, but the action it doesn't start with action. You know, we really get to know everybody first, and by the time some of the big action beats are happening in that movie, it's it's like oh my gosh, and then it's just a steady escalation towards the end. This one I felt like started out with a really high peak of action and then kind of was like, oh, now we're going to drop it down a little bit. And now we're going to try and build back up with this sort of gothic horror inspired revenge story. Yeah, so I I agree with you there. Watching the first episode, I, I've watched the first three um, since you know they they've released every friday so i've been informed that three more are out haven't had the chance to watch them today but i i would agree you know when uh, things i like about and i'm just talking about the first three episodes right now things i like about the first three episodes is even though it's an animated series it is still the the story is still playing out like a game of D. 
you know, they or a, a role playing game. They we find our heroes in a tavern, um, mm. which is like the stereotypical starting point for all campaigns. It's a tavern. Um, they get into a bar fight and such, and then yeah, they're they're flat broke, desperate. They need they need some sort of money, so they answer this wanted ad. I agree with the fact that it's it's a little disappointing that the the big bad evil guy for the first only two episodes was a blue dragon you know whether he was an adult or an ancient dragon you know it's all about power levels and stuff but even still it's a dragon it's supposed to be one of the most powerful you know things in the land terrifying and um as we found out in in my campaign the other night you shouldn't mess with dragons oh yeah right um well that was a red dragon you know we're talking about blue dragons right now i'd appreciate if you listened Uh, (laughs) but uh i like the story arc between like vax and the kid um in the village and like the silver coin that was you know that kind of that kind of hooked me in um up until that point i was kind of like eh, okay all right i mean this is entertaining but you know it's nothing really was hooking me in but that that just little thing about the silver coin um i really liked it so it kind of hooked me there but yeah, when I I totally called that the the dragon was polymorphed, which I mean that's okay. It's it's a well known thing about dragons. You know they can change their appearance and such. Sure. But uh, I it's the second episode and they just housed a dragon. Yeah. And now you're taking like we're moving forward from that. So you have one kind of like. I mean, they call it the B-Beg, the big bad evil guy, B-B-E-G. You have one B-Beg that, you know, normally that would be like the main bad guy for your entire campaign. And now they're inputting another main bad guy, which, spoiler alert, it's a vampire or a a pair of vampires. Um, And it's like you just got powerful power after power after power. And I have not seen the next three episodes. I know you have... I have not yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm worried that they're just going to like keep on skipping. Like, all right. So they defeated these vampires in two episodes or three episodes or whatever. So we completed Percy's story arc. Let's go to somebody else's and, and another big, huge evil guy. So I will, I will uh-huh. assuage your fears without spoiling Ooh, anything. I, th- I, th- <laughs> I think that I would imagine that, um, Delilah and Silas Briarwood are going to be the, villains of the entirety of season one i mean matt mercer is the one who voices lord silas briarwood so it would make yeah. sense side note i just think it's hilarious that every once in a while they have an expansive voice cast which is definitely on the positives of the show not only the main guys but i mean they got a lot of, like i said david tennant voice general krieg who, who turns out to be the dragon They've got Gray, what's her name? Gray Graham. I think her name's Gray Graham that voices Delilah Briarwood. She's like a, a big animation actress. I do think it's funny that every once in a while there'll be a random NPC or a random side character or like a villager or something. And uh, he'll also be verse, voiced by Matt Mercer, which is funny because obviously in the, yeah. in the game, Matt Mercer voices all of the characters that aren't player characters. And that's so, a role playing game like setup that i really enjoy so he'll still an animated series it's it's being played out like an rpg and there's even uh was it in the third one 
where yeah, I think it's the third one where they had to check their weapons with the guard, and the guard is even drawn to look like Matt Mercer. Yeah. And so then when they're rushing back out to to try and stop the bad guys, and he's like, "Sorry, you can't you can't get your weapons," and they're like, "Screw this!" and they just beat him and take their weapons. I thought that they lost the ticket. There's yeah, that's what it was. There's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, that that will appeal to you. You you don't need to know. Like I think it's still a solid fantasy adult story that if you don't know anything about role-playing games, but you're like, ah, I liked invincible, right. Or I'm looking for something a little bit different. I think this will still appeal to you. But if you're a, if you're a player of this kind of stuff, or, or you're really into this kind of fantasy and, and, and the games, especially they do do a really good job of capturing the dynamic for the most part of what a group of player characters usually is like. Yeah, um, definitely little Easter eggs here and there. I do think that I do think that Scanlan, the, the gnome bard, went a little too far. When in the third one, <laughs> when they're all when they're all fighting, and it's like this really serious dark moment because they're they're fighting outside this party, and they're not like fully armored or anything. They've got their weapons, but they're fighting the 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 main bad guys for the first time. And clearly there's a history with Percy and they're getting just trounced. And it's like this really dramatic, grim, you know, the music is great. And then we cut back to Scanlan distracting the party by singing about anal beads. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this might be the kind of, see, so this is the kind of thing that probably would happen in a, in a, in a game session, but it's like, you have to, you have to temper it because we're 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 not playing a game now. We're we're telling we're writing a cartoon. We're we're telling a a story in this way. So there were a few times like that in the in the first couple episodes where I was like, I know he's supposed to be sort of obnoxious to a fault and very self centered and just completely absurd. But I was like, ah, if you just toned it down just a tad, I think that would have been better because. In my opinion, it, you ended up with a sort of the Marvel problem. Well, one of many Marvel problems nowadays, but the Marvel problem of like, we always undercut very serious things with a joke. And my there's a certain level with Marvel. Yeah. I mean, you and I know this from real life. There's a certain amount of like grim humor that is totally believable that like people in grim situations or combat situations often have that sort of gallows humor as a coping mechanism. And so I'm totally willing to believe that like things were totally going downhill and, and your band of warriors is still making jokes about it because that's, uh, that's what people do. But yeah, singing about <laughs> with your glowing cod piece illuminating like a disco light. I was like, all right, that took me out of it for a little bit. Like I was like, okay, uh, it's, but again, I won't spoil anything, but I watched episodes <laughs> four, five. And, well, I won't spoil anything for you, but watching episodes four, five and six, I felt that they, they toned him down a little bit and they gave him the appropriate level of being obnoxious without totally breaking the uh the fourth wall what else uh what do you think of the animation style like the, the the actual animation itself so i like it i it's very subtle but i feel that each character has their own animation style and they have kind of um 
just molded them all together in into this realm. Like if I had to pick the um, the two most extreme examples, I would say, you know, Percy is drawn kind of more anime ish, mm-hmm. um, but Keyleth or even uh, like Pike, um, you know, they're drawn more traditional kind of Disney ish style yeah. of, uh, of animation. And I think that helps play into their characters. So I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. It's, it's well drawn. Yeah. Like the, the movements and stuff, it, it doesn't feel like cheap, even though no, yeah, they spent however much money on an episode. So um, I'm liking yeah, it. What I about th- you? Yeah, I'd agree. I think that's a good observation that sort of different characters are. Yeah. There's the slight variations grog the big barbarian is and it's interesting because like he's generally drawn very kind of classically but then his facial expressions remind me sometimes of the sort of comical like anime yeah but he's also the big dumb brute um i definitely and i i think the action is pretty good i mean i thought their their fight in episode three that we were just talking about with sam or silas and delilah brywood I i thought that was a really good scene Aside from cutting back to to Scanlan in the in the party, but right. the fight itself, the the I thought I think the use the the way that the characters use magic and stuff it does feel very much to me like how I picture things happening in a fantasy world or or a, a game. Okay, and I was a little worried because I think some of them have voice stuff for anime, so I was like, oh, I hope I hope this isn't completely anime style of animation just because growing up in the 90s with like the batman the animated series and the superman the animated series and the x-men cartoon i'm a big fan of sort of traditional animation i i even if this i'll watch something if the story is good but i just don't like like fully anime style stuff so i was happy to see that you know a lot of the action stuff is very clean and good enough to be as good as anything else I've seen as far as, you know, whether animation or live action from a, from a, an action standpoint, I touched on this a little bit before too, but I think the soundtrack is killer. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm glad that they definitely took time to actually write a good score. Yeah. Um, rather than just, you know, throw it together because I, I'm a firm believer that um, what makes a movie and what makes a scene um, and what makes drama is the music behind it. So yeah, they. I'm definitely enjoying that as well. I think they did a pretty good job. I think, yeah, so far, I think my favorite episode is episode four. I know, I mean, again, they're taking this from the campaign, but something I think, people think of Dungeons and Dragons and just medieval fantasy, and that is gen- generally true. But you actually have a kind of weird collection of things in the D&D rules. You know, you have, for example, full plate mail existing at the same time as intricate locks, which historically speaking, were hundreds of years apart. That's just sort of a weird example. So D&D has always been a sort of mishmash of different things. A hodgepodge, if you will. A, a hodgepodge, if you an amalgamation. And the vocab word. I am a writer after all. So let's writing. So I think that leaning into that for this is cool 
you know i mean percy's got clearly like black powder weaponry right but he's really the only one that we've seen and he's very almost like steampunk grog is a much more typical barbarian he's just got a big axe and then obviously you've you've got silas and delilah i can't remember i want to say delilah some other kind of monster in human form or something and she's she's clearly got magic silas is a vampire but he's very he he's interesting beyond and so you've got this weird mismatch of different kinds of fantasy sort of together that you got the gothic stuff and then you've got this more more traditional aspects pike's a cleric um and I actually kind of like that in, in this setting. If you're going to do that, you have to lean into it. You know, in our own campaign, yeah. for example, it's all uh, piratey and there's crazy magic and there's this and that. And But then we have a character that's wearing like magical full plate mail. And, I, you know, I'm like, well, in this kind of game, in this kind of story, you're just we're just leaning into it. Everything's insane and sort of wackadoo. Um as opposed to something like, uh, say, Game of Thrones, which is much more strictly trying to be its fantasy, but it's really trying to be more like history in that the the things that are around, you know what I mean? I mean, there's there's some dragon eggs in that. But other than that, spoiler alert for Game of Thrones. But uh, other than that, everything is pretty well as it would have been during the War of the Roses, because that's what Martin based it on. So. Yeah, I won't, so we won't talk. I won't talk anymore about four, five, and six because you haven't seen it. But overall, um, before we get into the last set portion of things that I want to talk about, do you would you recommend this to somebody? I guess since we're reviewing it, you know, I would. I think it more so appeals to those who have a tabletop role playing game background because there there are subtle things in it that when it happens, you know it it makes it enjoyable. Like it gives you the whole, ha, I can't believe they just did that thing. Like uh, my, my example for that be when, when Grog is fighting the dragon and he says, I would like to rage. You know, he goes into a rage, which is a, a a very uh, stereotypical, like that's the thing a barbarian does every single time they go into initiative. Yeah. Um, And like that, that was the first time he said it in the series and it just makes you go, ha, ah, that's funny. And there are other little things um, that at times will break the fourth wall um, and take you out of it, but it's, it's all purposely done. It's, it's enjoyable. Um, it's not distracting to me. So I think that for me is what plays into how much I do enjoy this show. Um, Cause I, I, I do enjoy it. But I think I enjoy it because of just, you know, I have a familiarity with uh, D&D, with RPGs. So I, I think if you have just even a little bit of concept of, you know, what goes on in RPG and the mechanics, um, it'll make it more enjoyable to you. But from an outsider standpoint, yeah, it's it's a um, it's a good story, even if you don't really understand rpgs you know i think you'll still like it and i think that's a reason why they kind of kept it to like 24 25 minute episodes um Mm -hmm. and they're they're kind of you know just running through the action because you know yes they wrote this for their fans and for players of rpgs but they also want to be able to hook in other people because it'll kind of act as like an ambassador you know it'll get people more interested in critical role and in rpgs 
So ultimately I give it, you know, a thumbs up, two thumbs up. Sure. If we're doing uh that kind of thing, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited to watch four five and six coming up here. And how about you? What, what would you say about this? Yes or no? Are you enjoying it? You liking it? Yeah. I mean, I'm enjoying it. I will. I'm notoriously hard to hook with some of the stuff because I'm busy. So if I put something on and I like, it doesn't get me at least somewhat invested in the first five, 10 minutes, I'm usually like, all right, I'm not watching this. And, you know, sometimes people have been like, uh, you got to give it a chance, you know? Uh, and I'm just like, no, no, I don't. I did. They really it, it's, it a chance. It's their job. It's their job as the creators of this art to get me invested quickly. And if they fail to do that, you know, meh. So yeah, I would recommend it overall. I agree with you. You're definitely going to get more out of it. If you're at least passingly familiar with role-playing games, but I think even if you're not, and you're a fantasy person, you'll still enjoy it. I still hold by, uh, I would have started it just at episode three. I would have not had that those first two episodes. I think that episode three clearly is the one that gets into the main storyline. Episode three still distinguishes between all of them as like, you get an idea of who they all are as characters in episode three. To me, that would have just been a cleaner way to get into it. But I would definitely recommend it. And um, I think not to sound, uh, man, what's the word? Not Jeez. to make something se- oh, seem bigger than it is, but <laughs> geez, I think that it's important. I think that the way this got made is important. And I think this should be a lesson to a lot of people. Something that's interesting is that a lot of people often will say, oh my gosh, a lot of stuff that comes out of Hollywood is garbage, right? A lot of movies are preaching at me one way or another, or they're just poor quality. Or like we were talking about at the beginning, like they're just remaking this thing that wasn't good, but we're remaking it for the third time anyway. But nobody seems to really be doing anything about that. Now, there are some people that are now starting, but I think this gives you a really good example that like there was a dedicated fan base. They love this thing. And really, they, more than the creators of Critical Role, made this happen. Because, like I said, they were originally just trying to raise money for one little 22-minute animated special. And they're like, oh, this will be fun. Like, people will like this, you know. And people, you know, they gave their money and they were like, make this thing. And now it is. It's made and it's picked up by a major studio. So I think that I was going to at least check out the first episode regardless because I was like, well, it's fantasy. And, you know, that's kind of my thing. And the way that it got made is super cool. And I would like to see more stuff start to go down that road, especially now that things are kind of changing with COVID. And there's a question about like, I'm sorry, the virus of unspecified origin. And uh, don't censor me, Spotify. (laughs) I didn't say anything. I'm just saying that COVID tanked the movie like industry as far as movie theaters. (laughs) And I think we're going to see more stuff as far as, You know, streaming has been kind of the way that everything's going anyway, but now, especially with all that, that couple year break in the concern over box office numbers. So yeah, I would recommend it. I, I I would say that with a caveat, I know that we try to keep the show family friendly 
And I know that some people <laughs> that are friends with me and, and ask me about things, um, this is, a, this is a hard R. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it is this is not this is I mean, not for children in at all and there's some nudity uh and there's a whole lot of f-bombs there's a whole lot of f-bombs there's violence like the the, the fights are bloody um yeah, they're pretty graphic ag- again similar to invincible uh, with superheroes like not made for children i mean so and but i also like animation i don't know if you feel this way I I like good animation. I watched the show on Netflix, Arcane, which is probably, in my opinion, the best written TV show that I've watched in several years. And that's animated in a way that's very similar to like something like uh, Into the Spider-Verse. All right. a, sort of, a sort of weird mix of 2D animation, but 3D stu- um, stuff around it and gives it this weird... but. <clears throat> A lot of people, I think, still look at animation. They're like, oh, animation's for kids. And uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that it's just not the case anymore. You know, you have, I mean, story-wise, content-wise, and something like this or Arcane or even Invincible, really. But Invincible is a superhero thing. Arcane is a sort of steampunk fantasy. It would be extremely difficult to do any of those three things in live action just because of the the limitations of creating this world budget wise and stuff. But in animation, you still have a budget as far as you have a budget for the animation, but you can really create anything that you want. And so I'm a fan of animation if it's done well. And again, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, like adult animation is becoming and not just sort of goofy comedies, like, or something like Archer, but like, or South park, (laughs) you know, but like, animation that's more like traditional storytelling if you will but but for adults is becoming more and hey i'm totally cool with it that yeah i recommend arcane as well to anybody that's listening uh invincible also is not bad and um the netflix special that they did for the the prequel to the witcher with henry cavill they did an animated prequel called the nightmare of the wolf that is drawn in a very similar style to, to vox machina that it's sort of sort of anime but a lot of the action is still fluid and 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 that was pretty good i i enjoyed that so i recommend it uh once again we want to give a shout out to plus five charisma and all they do for us which i'm being told is a lot and go check them out on etsy uh great guy great shop um comfortable day wear evening wear whatever you want to wear it it's wonderful um dnd theme such uh, so it's plus five charisma. Also, if you haven't already, come to our Facebook page, The Beggar's Cup, and uh, like and subscribe. We post all our things, or all of our uh, recordings on there. The links to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, along with other things from time to time. Give us a check out, you know, like some posts, let us know what you think, and yeah. Don't forget to follow me also on Facebook. It's uh, Facebook backslash Crowns of Hebron. Uh, pick up my books right now. Crowns of Hebron is still available on Amazon. That's a family-friendly comic book miniseries where you can get them all together in like a graphic novel format about Saul, David, and Jonathan. And then I have my first book, Shadow of the Dreamer and Other Oddities, which is a novella and collection of short stories about a bunch of humorous guys that fight monsters that's not family-friendly. And we do have a YouTube channel 
we currently have our first interview is up on there, which is just the Beggar's Cup, where we uh, interviewed via Zoom artist Elisa Price, who is uh, really talented. She did the she's done a couple of things for me art wise. The most latest was she did the cover, which is awesome for Shadow of the Dreamer. Go check that interview out on the Beggar's Cup YouTube and also, you know, follow us on YouTube. Subscribe, like, you know, it's cost you nothing and uh, it's a big help to us. With that, I guess we're signing off. Until next time, go watch Fox Machina. Yeah, thanks for joining us.